Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Granger. Each week, we bring you the most interesting conversations from around the media industry. And today, we're talking about what it's been like for court reporters throughout the pandemic to swap the courtroom for their living room. In March 2020, the UK government introduced a far-reaching emergency piece of legislation to handle the COVID-19 crisis, the Coronavirus Act. For court reporters, this meant the temporary adoption of video and audio technology to maintain reporting on legal proceedings in the interest of open justice. However, the Zoom setting is not going away anytime soon. Last month, the Act was extended until September of this year, and on top of that, a new Police, Crime, Sentencing and Courts Bill 2021 seeks to make virtual attendance a permanent feature for a whole range of criminal and civil courts, subject to judge discretion. In this week's podcast, we speak to Tristan Kirk, a court correspondent for The Evening Standard, who tells us about the upsides and downsides of virtually attending court hearings. He says that there is never going to be a like-for-like substitute for in-person reporting, but the possibilities of virtual attendance could result in a more convenient and practical hybrid model of reporting. All of that is to come, but first, this. Journalism.co.uk brings you four days of panels and workshops at our next digital journalism conference, News Rewired. Join us from the 18th of May, where we will talk about digital transformation and how to lead change in your newsroom. For the full agenda and early bird tickets, visit newsrewired.com. Tristan, welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. What's the working situation like for you at the moment? Thanks very much for having me. It's uh, it's, it's a busy time. Uh, COVID notwithstanding, there's lots going on. Um, we've been covering the uh, verdict in the George Floyd uh, trial over in America. Uh, there's lots of things going on at the High Court, and I'm also covering the Grenfell inquiry and the inquest into the London Bridge Fishmongers Hall terror attacks. So uh, yes, a uh, lot on. Many plates spinning then, of course. Yeah, it's a, it's a hell of a news week, isn't it? Certainly is, and uh, I haven't even been called upon yeah. to, to cover the football uh, uh, fiasco yet, if that reaches the courts. Yeah. <laughs> Well, today we turn our attention very much to to what's happening in the courts in the UK over the last 12 months. Um, back, back in March 2020, when we went into a national lockdown and the world was in this global crisis, we introduced the Coronavirus Act here in the UK. Uh, part of that meant that, you know, uh, we would be adopting video and audio technology in, in courts and tribunals. How, how have you found that transition and how has that changed the way you operate as a court reporter? Well, when the pandemic struck last March uh, and, and into April, I think it's fair to observe straight away that the courts really weren't prepared at all for the new working arrangements that they were going to have to adopt uh, basically on, on an emergency basis and, and then uh, for many months and potentially years into the future. And they didn't really have the digital technology in place. Uh, they didn't have the infrastructure and they hadn't really planned for that kind of radical overhaul of, of, of the system. Uh, justice has to keep moving, uh, notwithstanding a, a global pandemic. Uh, so 
what they did was that they rushed in these uh, emergency powers, which allowed for court hearings to basically um, be removed from the traditional courtroom and to go online through um, phone technology, uh, video calls, Skype initially, and then there was a dedicated um, system called the cloud video platform, which was which was installed throughout the court service. And so basically the courts um, uh, took that up and started having hearings with uh, many, if not all of the participants, uh, dialing in remotely from uh, mainly from their homes, sometimes from their uh, their private offices and the like. So as a court reporter, um, we, we were told to follow the stay at home message and, and large amounts um, of our work um, started to be remote hearings, dialing into the court uh, from a distance and, and following things like that. Um, so, I mean, that is a, a fairly remarkable change to what it had been before. As a court reporter, you go to courts, you wander around all the rooms, you have a chat with the lawyers, police officers, uh, staff in the courts, find out what's going on. And then you sit, you know, on the public, in the public gallery, on the press bench, following proceedings and do your work there. So it, it was a it was a sizable adaptation that we had to had to go through. Uh, it was difficult. Um, at the start because of the lack of infrastructure and because everyone was basically um, pedaling hard just to keep things going and you were um, uh, hopping onto uh, video links that maybe didn't work. You were trying to get a phone connection set up into a courtroom that really wasn't acoustically set up for phone connections. So it, it, did, not, it did not come without significant challenges, but I think that um, Many of my colleagues and, and certainly myself would, would observe that that period, although difficult, it, there were some successes that came out of it. We managed to continue to um, maintain a level of open justice, even though there were all those problems that I've described. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a considerable upside. But from a from a practical point of view, how how was it trading the the, the courtroom for your living room, as it were? Well. There are positives. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll start with the, the negatives, okay. because there, there are there are sort of ups and downs of the, this this new process that we had to adopt. Like I said, when, when you're in a courtroom, you you can talk to people. Uh, you can have those chats in and amongst the court cases, uh, pick up little tips, little stories, find out the the details of a court case that you maybe uh, haven't been able to pick up whilst court was sitting. For example, the spelling of people's names. Uh, one of the very simple things that a journalist needs to get. Um, that proved to be uh, somewhat tricky in a system where you weren't physically there. And you, largely the system had been designed so that uh, journalists and observers could observe but weren't really uh, initially any kind of a part of the system. So chiming in to ask somebody's name uh, proved to be a somewhat uh, tricky thing to, to achieve. Um, the other things that you miss is, is, is that you're watching on through a, through a camera that somebody set up in the court. You're potentially listening over the phone to a court hearing. So you, you necessarily can't see everything if you can see anything at all. So things like uh, the reactions from the dock, um, a defendant reacting to, to what's been said uh, about them, um, not being able to see uh, the barristers or perhaps the judge, uh, not having any understanding of who the people, who the other people are in in the in the courtroom, whether there's any family members of the victim, defendant, 
uh, in the room. So that those peripheral things that you, you almost take for granted when you're actually in a courtroom were, were suddenly uh, not there for you. And you had to, you know, you had to, you had to adapt, you had to find ways to cope without them, to uh, perhaps send an email asking, you know, what, what's going on, who's that, um, you know, what's been said and who said it. Uh, so you, you have to uh, rely a little bit on the, you had to rely on the goodwill of, of, of some of the court staff to try and maintain that same quality of coverage that you would before. And um, I'd say on the upside, when you when you cover a patch like I do, which is basically the entirety of London, um, and I, I'm not entirely sure how many courts, but a lot of them, uh, one of the things I would normally be doing is, is doing quite a lot of traveling. Um, talk you through briefly through one of my normal days i might do a, a 9 30 plea hearing um maybe go to a trial starts at about 10 30 then at lunch i'd move on to another hearing at two o'clock and, and perhaps pick one up at the end so i could potentially cover four hearings at different venues but there's an awful lot of traveling involved in that whereas obviously from home as you can probably well appreciate jumping from you know, East London to West London takes a, a, a matter of seconds. So, so you can actually you can actually fit an awful lot more in. But as I say, you, you do have to accept that there are those downsides of, of not physically being there. Sure, sure. Do you think there's any substitute for those missing in-person qualities that you describe? Do you just make do without it? Or, as you said, have to constantly go back to get the information you need? What do you think? I don't think I don't think there is. Uh, a, a true replacement for for those things that you would normally get. Um, you, obviously, there are, there is email, there's text. You know, you get a message on Twitter. Those those kind of little tips you potentially get. But what, one thing that a journalist does is that they go after you know the information that they think might be there. They go and find um, you know a lawyer and ask them you know what's going on with this. Um, any other good cases going on? That's not that's not you can't replicate that um, in a digital setting when you're when you're sat at home. I don't think so. That's why you know looking to the future, I think there's there's always going to be a, a central part of the role is to be in the courts themselves. You, you, I don't I don't see myself uh, becoming a full time uh, work from home court journalist. I just don't think that's um, that's feasible. Have you have you kind of felt the absence of that little steady uh, sort of trickle of stories that you're that you that you were describing there when you're talking to the lawyers? Any good cases coming up? Have you have you felt that absence just working remotely? <laughs> I'd like to say that uh, I I maintained a, a good steady consistent rate of coverage and and perhaps the people who uh, follow my work and 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 read the articles wouldn't necessarily have noticed that there was. Um, you know that there was a this challenge going on but you do just have to accept that there are those conversations that you would only have in person with with um, people in courts you're not going to get those and you have to be just much more proactive um, tapping up your contacts uh, mining the information that you have to just try and make up any shortfall that you you think might be there but uh, who knows it's it's been a challenging time and i think i think most most journalists have probably been facing the same same struggles that I have, so so we're all in the same boat. Are there any potential real like legal pitfalls in doing court reporting uh, remotely in this way? You found? 
Uh, th there are things that you have to work out, watch out for. Um, one of the key things that you would do as a, as a court reporter is make sure that you are on top of the um, the details, like I, I, I said before, and particularly um, contempt of court orders, reporting restrictions that have been imposed on a case. It's, it's really important to know those. And like I was saying before, the, the contact with the, the clerk in a court, with, with the, the administration of that court is, is one step devolved and there's no formalized process for bridging that gap so you, you have to hunt out that information you have to and sometimes it takes you know one or two more phone calls than you would perhaps like and that you would have normally just approached the desk and asked is, is there a reporting restriction now you have to sort of chase that information one of the things that's probably wise to say is that um although this this, this is absolutely not something that i've uh, i've fallen down if there's a, a journalist who's perhaps not as familiar with um, reporting on the courts um, than usual, and they are asked to go and uh, follow a remote hearing, one of the, the things that is absolutely vital to remember is that you can't you can't record that hearing. You can't uh, take any screen grabs. You can't download the footage, which to a reporter who's not potentially a, a court reporter might seem odd because you can you can log on to a, a council meeting and take some images you could uh, you can you know download parliament there are all kinds of things these days that you would take the footage and perhaps take it for granted that you can just have that footage and use it as part of your package uh, part of your story and you just have to bear that in mind that this is even though it's digital it's definitely not allowed <laughs> just just as you would in a normal courtroom where you can't record you can't take pictures Absolutely. That's that's the thing that the, onto onto the digital platform, all those rules have been uh, consistently applied, just in slightly different ways. So whereas you couldn't whip out your camera phone and take a photo of the court in court, you you, you can't do that, even though you're sat at home in front of a laptop. Sure. Has any other wider media law been impacted by working remotely? Uh, well, they've they've set up a, a, a whole um, new framework in terms of um, media law, but it, it's 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 applying the court rules to the digital setting basically so there, there is a new legal framework that um, people would have to ha take a look at and see what what it is they can and can't do but i think they'll find once they look at that it's um, pretty much exactly the same as what they could and couldn't do in, in a courtroom there are there are some um, interesting quirks that you um you, you find when remote reporting in that um there's no there's no real uh indication of what you're supposed to wear when uh, uh attending a court hearing as a as a journalist are you supposed to sit uh you know suited and booted or or can you be a little bit more casual um when when are the when are the appropriate times to interject if you need to ask something is it is it all right to simply address the judge which has become uh, much more common actually for me um in remote hearings than it ever would have been if i was sat at the back but the, you find the judge speaking to you because you're, you're there on the system, uh, your name's there in the same sort of billing as, as the barristers and, and defendant and all other participants. So the judge, I found that judges are much more um, much more willing to to talk to you directly, uh, ask you questions potentially, and and, uh, and things like that. So 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 you have to uh, be careful what you look like, and if you have to pop up on the screen and, and make sure you're you're still an appropriate level of of conduct and and, and appearance. Because in a physical setting, a lot of your questions might go via the clerk, right? In a, in a courtroom. Yes. Uh, what's kind of the 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 etiquette in, in a Zoom setting? Yeah, I mean, 
the problem with the way that they set it up is that um, you often get let into a meeting, um, a, a court hearing, when the court hearing is starting. So there's no there's no um, there's no period of time before court sits for you to have that word with the clerk, and and then they often uh, will cut you off, kick you out of the, um, the the hearing as soon as the judge gets up. So you have to contemplate whilst you, you're um, you're covering this hearing. Whether, whether there are any questions that you need to ask, whether the things that you need to clarify in, in the normal course of events, you would probably store up those questions in your notepad and approach the clerk or approach the prosecutor afterwards just to check things. But if you're going to be kicked out of the, uh, the court hearing and, and left uh, all alone, then you have to deal with them there and then. So you potentially send, send an email on, on the chat function uh, or, or through the traditional email setting to the clerk just trying to clarify these or, or as has happened quite a lot you have to interject and say to the judge uh, I, need, I need to know this i need to clarify this point otherwise I, I can't report this case properly yeah do you miss the courtroom or do or are you kind of getting used to zoom now uh yeah no i miss the courtroom um there's the, i think there's some of my um uh, court reporter colleagues who perhaps are are enjoying um the the fact that you are uh, at home, got access to a kettle and a fridge, and you can, you know, make a nice, a nice lunch whilst doing the court reporting. And and I understand that there is there is there's a lot to be said for having the comfort of home when you're, you know, sort of struggling on by and trying to trying to get the work done. But I, I do miss the court setting. I, I think there's there's a certain level of um, level of information and of drama, and there's just something missing. Uh, from not actually being there, certainly for the for the trials. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll be pleased when I'm able to to go back into court uh, properly. For court reporters like Tristan, however, they will not be going back into courtrooms anytime soon. The coronavirus act we've spoken about has been extended through until September, meaning those remote hearings will continue until then. On top of that. A new Police, Crime, Sentencing and Courts Bill 2021 is being considered. If passed into law, it will make virtual attendance at criminal and civil courts, as well as family proceedings and tribunals, a permanent feature for all members of the public, including journalists, but only if a judge decides it's appropriate. The new bill is, is seeking to um, codify and make permanent some of the changes that we had rushed in with the coronavirus act so it's making attendance at a court hearing can be done virtually and it's trying to make that build that into the law so that that can go on into the future uh, you know as a part of the system so that's that, i think that's really really welcome that they've taken that step and built it into the um the police um, crime sentencing and courts bill uh, because it, it is one, one I mean this has been a terrible terrible year for for everyone so you look you look for those those slivers of light and, and one of the one of the good things to come out of it is that a court system in this country that's always been rather hesitant about change and perhaps somewhat slow to embrace the idea of technology uh, has was forced into it. They, they they were forced to have a go, and it turned out that the um, the sky didn't fall down, that the whole system didn't collapse, 
and there are actually some really really big upsides now i know that the legal profession are are really keen that um that virtual attendance at some hearings is maintained in the future because of the sense it makes if you're a barrister uh, traveling halfway across the country for a 10 minute hearing and then traveling home again uh, where you're just setting some stage dates for a case or, or or you're just doing an administrative task that has to be done in front of a judge but could be done online there's no reason why that can't be done online and so that's that's what they're, they're building into the system now it's my strong fervent hope that journalists will have the same uh level uh, and capacity of access as barristers and defendants and anybody else who wants to join these kinds of hearings remotely so in the future it's my hope that uh, if this bill passes as is a journalist could uh, well let's take me for an example i could go to the old bailey for uh, one of the big trials it's potentially going to set uh, kick off at 11 o'clock in the morning I could um, cover uh, a 9.30 plea hearing uh, over in East London at Snaresbrook. I could potentially do a 10, 10 o'clock mention, uh, setting a trial date up in North London in Harrow. And then uh, midway through the trial, I could step outside and do uh, potentially even a sentencing hearing down in Croydon and still be covering the bits that I need to of the Old Bailey trial. That's how I think an ideal day would be, is if you could it harness that virtual technology to cover the shorter hearings whilst focusing your attention on on a, a say a criminal trial that really demands physical presence so hopefully the bill that part of the bill passes uh codifying these these powers that we now have and then we can build on those to make it really part of the system yeah i think that could be a great hybrid model really in, in terms of just getting the, the quick hearings done uh remotely and where the ones call for you know more drawn out more drama as i think you were describing before you know you can have a person still there in the courtroom to uh to give that their full their full attention but what what that that model might encourage more of is um for uh journalists in newsrooms to be able to dial into a court hearing um, perhaps not dedicating as much time as they would have to to physically going to the court, but just joining a particular hearing, and then they'd get that court court reporting experience and and bringing out those stories without necessarily having to uh, go down to the courthouse themselves. So I think I think basically what I'm saying is that virtual attendance I think could foster a renewed interest in court reporting and and bring more more justice out into the open. That's super. Yeah. Are there any sort of kinks that need to be ironed out, though, for, for this to really work seamlessly for newsrooms and journalists and that's all you think? There needs to be a, a sort of a baseline uh, framework of what, what court hearings can actually be joined remotely by journalists. It shouldn't just be left up to the whims of the judges to say yes or no. Uh, a hearing is either appropriate or it's not. Obviously, there are some instances where the judge might deem it's not appropriate, but I think journalists need to know roughly what kind of hearings might be appropriate so that they can apply to join them and um and 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 what what reasons they might have to give for being able to join i mean is is it is it the case i mean at the moment we you basically ask to join a court hearing remotely uh, and if the judge asks you for it then you can say why you want to join it but i mean remotely but basically the the, the reason is we're, we're in a we're in a pandemic and and we've been told to stay at home so there's a real pressing need for for that kind of thing in the future there's obviously not going to be that need so what 
reasons could a could a reporter give to join a hearing remotely? And and I know that the, the courts traditionally have have stuck to the line of you know you, you you if you're a journalist you have to be in the room. Now what 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 questions are they going to ask? What are their considerations going to be? We don't really have any of that at the moment. So once um, you know uh, pressing health needs are over. It, what are the questions going to be essentially? And um, I think there should be a, the test should be: is it in the interests of open justice for a reporter to join this hearing remotely? Potentially, the answer is 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 always going to be yes. The the test that the judges usually apply is is something in the interests of justice to do, uh, and that, that, that it's left to their discretion. Well, the interest of open justice. Are quite compelling when it comes to this and obviously there'll sometimes there will be reasons not to do it there might be a sensitivity around a witness uh, it, there might have been a problem with the case that it's just uh, simply not right to do it there, there are a multitude of reasons and i'm not unrealistic about that but i also think that you shouldn't just be left down to um whether there is a judge who who just doesn't like technology that's that shouldn't be a reason not to do it so it, it feels like what you're saying is there should be some sort of general rule of thumb that, that you can apply. Absolutely. Yeah. A sort of a, a, a baseline of when it's, you know, when it can be done subject to a judge saying no, but no for a specific reason that makes sense, not just saying no. And we, I have had that during the, the pandemic is certainly uh, when the when the first wave of infection started to, to die down last last summer. Um, you you'd find the odd you'd ask to join a hearing remotely and get the answer no not not no because of something but just simply no and and that's that's hard to understand uh, <laughs> because because would that would that same answer have been offered to to a barrister who'd asked the question whether they could join remotely would that have been said to a defendant to a witness potentially not they would have had a bit of consideration and then been able to argue their case sometimes journalists are just simply told no with no particular reason for it. I see. Is there a like a time scale that you think this virtual attendance could be in effect by? Yeah, the hope the hope is that they just con it just continues seamlessly that this this bill uh, or whatever powers they need to pass are, are brought in and the virtual attendance that we've got at the moment just continues but then we could build a new framework to go with it. So it's, it doesn't strike me as the most complicated of processes to, to adopt. And so uh, whenever the powers become permanent, uh, we just need to work. And, and, and hopefully the, the, the Ministry of Justice, uh, the court service and the judiciary over the next few months, we, we have a, a working group that work together with the media can, can actually uh, look at this issue and, and adopt some sort of framework. Yeah. I think before you were also talking about how it will, you know, potentially create this renewed interest in court reporting. I think the virtual attendance could be great for the training of journalists and just getting giving them a feel for what it's like to report from from a from a courtroom. Do you do you kind of agree with that sentiment? Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's um there there are some sort of uh, bonus benefits of having uh, the the uh, potential to 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 make a a hearing uh, part virtual to allow people to follow it on a video screen and one of the, one of the things i think is difficult for courts uh, is is when they get a class of of student journalists who all turn up and and uh, try to get in to watch a case sometimes there's simply not the space for it and so uh, to be able to to um i would imagine to dial in 
remotely to a court hearing uh, from, uh, for, for example, a lecture hall uh, and make that just a class so they can watch proceedings and follow there in, in a sort of a, a more contained setting might actually be preferable to the court. I, I don't know. But instead of having, uh, you know, potentially 20, 25 people trooping in and, and packing out the public gallery and then trooping out after half an hour once once their session's coming to an end. Uh, the, 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 other, the other bonus is that there are a lot of cases um, potentially at the high court um, but also at the you know the criminal courts uh, that draw a lot of attention that there is a, an enormous amount of interest in and if you had the option of a, a a digital public gallery you could allow more people to to attend your court hearing if it's of a significant public interest i mean the things at the high court um I'm just thinking of an example maybe um, involving the expansion of Heathrow Airport and the new runway. There are literally hundreds of thousands of people who are interested in that. And if you could you could potentially harness the digital technology to allow, uh, you know, a, a, a large amount of people to actually follow proceedings without overwhelming the court who could never, never even dream of having that many people. I, I, I've attended some hearings over this pandemic. I think I've been attended by somewhere around a thousand people, which, you know, couldn't happen in the normal court setting. Right. That, that's super interesting. So what you're saying there is that uh, the remote option, you know, almost eliminates the, the capacity issue with a high profile case. You, there's, there's not like you can only squeeze so many people in a room. You've almost got an infinite capacity there to observe the observe the hearing. Absolutely. I mean, you look at the um, the Grenfell Tower inquiry at the, the moment that has been reduced, was reduced down to um, purely um, virtual hearings. It's now uh, gone back to a hybrid mode. So there are there are some people back at the hearing room, um, but the large amounts of the people who would normally have been in the room aren't allowed. And and I think that, you know, there are a few hundred people watching those those hearings online. You can see it on, on the YouTube feed, how many people have actually uh, joined in. And so uh, you, you've actually gone from having a large hearing room in that case with a couple of hundred people, I'd estimate, to to now having uh, more people being able to watch because you've adopted that video technology. In a word or two, kind of, how do you feel about the the future of court reporting with the with the kind of legislation that's on on the horizon, uh, and what that really means for your job as a journalist for your newsroom as well? Well, the Evening Standard's always had a really um, a really keen interest in court reporting. We've had a dedicated court reporter for years, so it's always been a, a big thing for us. I, I'm I'm really optimistic about the future of court reporting. There are you'll you'll see a lot of um, people talking about how you know the, the death of court reporting. There aren't that many people, but actually, what we've got and what we've been talking about today is is a really big opportunity to to open this system out to get more people interested in it and 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 once you once you've done a bit of court reporting i think you kind of get the bug for it and you go after a bit more so opening it out and allowing more people to perhaps dip into a hearing to try it out i think will encourage that that industry to to grow a bit and it probably needs a bit of growing now i try not to be too negative about about uh, the state of the industry but there aren't enough of us and it would be good if there was more court reporting going on so I, i'm i'm optimistic and uh, and uh, i hope that uh, talks with the government will uh, will lead to a, a much more positive future tristan this has been so interesting thank you so much for all of your time today and thanks for jumping on the podcast no problem at all thanks for having me 
great to speak to Tristan there. And it seems like a key thing we've spoken about for more than a year now is how much the pandemic has changed journalism. And of those changes, what will be here to stay, either replacing old traditions or forming a new hybrid model? It turns out court reporting could be one of those hybrid models where reporters can remotely and virtually access the quick hearings that they'd otherwise have to travel across cities for and then dedicate their physical presence to cases which have the details and drama that calls for a journalist to be present for. I'll definitely keep an eye on this space. If you like what you heard today, you can listen to more of our episodes on Spotify, SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts by searching and subscribing to the journalism.co.uk podcast. But that's all we have time for this week. I've been your host, Jacob Granger. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.